Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. This ball represents the game we love. A game fueled by passion. But there are those who wear no number, nor are they in the locker room or the field of play. But they are there for every high and every low. Yes, they are watching every kick, tackle, and try score. Yes. They are there for when you need them most, because they are the Major League Rugby fans. And the time has come for you to stand with your team. Join us at shopmlr.com today. And welcome Rugby Rant fans. We have an awesome edition of the Run Passer Kick. We're right on the heels of the Women's World Cup, and our women did a fabulous job, fought hard and fought fast and fought tough as nails. And we have one of the ladies joining the show today, none other than starting number 10 fly half, Gabby Contorna. Gabby, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Rob. It's really great to be here tonight. Thanks so much. And um, it's such a pleasure to have ladies. And uh, I got to tell you, um, a lot of wonderful things coming off the back of the women's world cup. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the entire tournament. Um, just, just a fabulous play out of the ladies throughout the world. What a great event that was put on this time. Yeah, it was remarkable. Um, just seeing all of the hard work from the nations, obviously we had that COVID year. So the extra year of prep, mm-hmm. uh, with it being pushed back a year, but um, it was so amazing to see the standard being raised from all the countries. I think um, every single team there competed really, really well. And every single team uh, had all of their players step up. And I thought they, the preparation of the tournament was brilliant. And the fan support was, you know, it just blew us away, both in person and the uh, supporters tuning in at odd hours, especially given the time change. So, yeah, it was just a brilliant tournament to be a part of. I mean, the only complaint was the rain. only one but then it kind of got nice too so what can you say about it (laughs) yeah absolutely so let's get into it a little bit i'm going to tell fans a little bit about the run pass or kick interview style which is unique to the rugby rant uh and i might mention before that we just reached 5,000 followers so we're real proud of the benchmarks we meet but the run pass or kick is a hallmark of the rugby rant interview process and so for folks at home that have never seen this it's a great way to really get our guests like Gabby integrated in the show. And it works like this. We're going to fire some questions at Gabby and we're going to prompt each one with run pass or kick. And Gabby's going to tell you as the fans, what she plans on doing. Is she going to run with it? Which means she's going to answer the question straight up. Is she going to pass it? And we know number tens occasionally like to pass. They have to. Um, and which means that she's going to go ahead and pass on a question. Cause she doesn't want to get herself in trouble or we know number tens like to kick. And she can always kick a question, which is going to put me on the back foot, put me in the defensive, 
and make me work a little bit out of my end of the field. And I would have to answer in a way that I believe Gabby would answer a question. And she can even grade me out. Like she can say, hey, you were terrible, or that was spot on, or provide a bit of context. So it's always good fun. And our, our uh, you know guests always appreciate it. Uh, I think um, Harry Trinder came on and, and gave me the biggest challenge one time for folks that haven't watched it. He made me answer a question with uh, an English accent. So, you know, that's always a challenge. Oh, those accents are tricky. They're from, they, they sound different every day. I swear. <laughs> yeah. And even different parts of that small country, you know, a small <laughs> geographic country. It's uh, yeah, it, they have different accents. Yeah, you drive 10 minutes down the road and they talk completely different. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm sure you deal with that every day. Yeah. Uh, being in the premier 15s and, and with that. And let's talk about your Vita. What a wonderful Vita. And there's a lot of things that I'm particularly uh, a fan of. Of course, born in Madison, Wisconsin, but you started playing at 14 in Pennsylvania. Uh, went on to be a, a home state girl and played at a terrific program at Penn State where you won four national champions and, of course, were the MVP of the 2017 campaign in D1A. Played for the Glendale Merlins. And then from there, join the Exeter Chiefs. And just, Gabby, for those who are uninitiated or unfamiliar with the premiership and how the professional model works in England, if you could just talk a little bit about the, the different um, competitions that Exeter has is in and, you know, where you guys sat last year uh, as the Exeter Chiefs in your campaign. Yeah, of course. So um, over here in the Allianz Premier 15s, there's sort of – two branches of the competition. So there is the premier 15s, which is, you know, top of the stack, all the teams play in it. Um, you do, uh, you play each team home and away throughout the season. Then you end up with the top four. And of those top four teams, you play semifinals and then you end up with a finalist. So last year in that um, we came in second. So it was our second season in the um, Allianz premier league. So pretty, pretty pleased with ourselves to make it to the final, obviously would have liked to get the win, but yeah, came in second to Saracens there. And then the other branch is called the cup competition. So it's basically, um, a competition that fills the space when the, uh, England internationals or the six nations internationals are out, um, in that kind of test match window. So it's, uh, agreed upon space. Um, it, the rounds were actually going on while we were away at the world cup. So the teams have been playing each other there and it's actually turns into like a bracket style. So there's two different brackets. You'll top one bracket and the other, and then the top two teams will play a semifinal and then again, a final. Um, and for that one last year we got first, so we beat Quinns in the final. So we won the cup and then obviously second in the premier 15. So it's a good second season over for overall for us, but really, you know, the variety of games, the model is basically to get all the players throughout the squad playing. So not only your internationals, but your younger kids, you have academy um, uni girls that come in and out with us and train. So it kind of gives everyone the ability to play a high level level of rugby and get exposed to it at a young age, which is really, I think, a smart model for women's rugby. So you're not only a cup champion, but a USA Eagle started in all four matches in the Rugby World Cup. And Gabby, this, if I'm not mistaken, then based upon what you're saying, this is really the first uh, Women's World Cup that's had professional women competing in it. Yeah. And I think um, it's it's the first one that's had a lot of teams, you know, leading into the World Cup actually decide to uh, put money into them and to make professional contracts, which is really raise the standard. I mean, you saw how England played um, 
Wales took a huge step up. I know uh, Italy as well. Like they've also all got contracts. So it's kind of a change in the model. And I think it's something that um, is the reason that a lot of teams were so successful in their preparation because just, they just had more time together. Um, and then obviously for the other teams, it provides its own challenge, but that can also bring the group together. So it was a very interesting first World Cup with, you know, I would say a mixture of fully professionalized contrasts contracts versus the semi-professionalized but still playing at the same standard which is very interesting to see absolutely Uh, so let's get into that a little bit in the run pass or kick process um i want to start kind of at the beginning a little bit uh you know with where you're where we started your vita with this first question so gabby i'm going to fire this one right at you run pass or kick your rugby story is a lot different from many of your peers in the eagles um you started playing at 14 and you were coached by your dad, which is cool. Um, conversely, many of your international—sorry, uh, many of your teammates—played another sport prior to finding rugby, perhaps in college. So the question is, how do we make your path more common for the next generation? Because we know that's going to be what's required to be, you know, to continue to be competitive. Yeah, of course. Um, I would love to run with that one. So. Um, I think obviously my path was unique because my dad found the game and played and obviously brought it into the family in that way. But I do, um, I think the biggest thing that's going to allow that to be a reality for, you know, younger kids is for starters, the World Cup was a great first step because it was highly publicized. It's reaching uh, kids that might not know about the sport. They're hearing about it and that makes them more interested. Um, As far as on a U.S. level, I think We've taken good steps with the development of the collegiate game. There's a lot more schools that are providing um, support for girls to go to school. So it's no longer, you know, that that pay to play model, which makes it really unsustainable for people from specific communities to find the sport, which isn't what rugby is about. It's about being inclusive and finding people to grow. But um, I think it's really about making sure that uh, young girls know that it's an option. I know for me, I played I started playing soccer, I think, around the age of four or five and played that up until I was able to play rugby in high school. So I would even wish that I had picked it up a little bit younger um, and to have it available in that the high school areas. I think it just needs to be a sport that's more publicized and seen as being, you know, a, a sport that empowered females play. It's not a masculine sport. It is a tough sport, but women can play it and women can play it really beautifully. And I think that that will come from more exposure, but it also needs to be um, addressed in, in the schools and trying to just get that into the younger grassroots levels as well. Yeah. There's a, a lot of unpack in your question and they're all great points. I, I really think one of the wonderful things that you talk about in that is just getting this game to girls at an earlier age um, and really allowing them to develop a, a, at a younger age and continue to hone their skills as, as they progress through the, through the system. Um, and that's, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, one real quick question. This was totally unscripted, but I'm always interested in getting uh, a, a female player's perspective in, in that I, I, we've talked in the rugby ran a bit about would the women's game benefit from a slightly smaller ball, perhaps a size four that really fits more hands a little bit better than the size five for the men's. Uh, would you be an advocate for that? Or would you say, no, we want to be on the same level as men's give us the size five. I would be one of the people that says, no, I think I'm, I don't know if it's right or wrong. I just feel a little bit stubborn about it. And I also, 
I do kind of think, you know, like there's no need to change it. We can play just fine. Um, and I also feel there are, I have quite a few teammates with large hands that can hold on to a ball. And I've seen quite a few men with small hands. I don't think it's like a huge impact. I think it's more of the amount of time you spend with your hands on the ball that dictates how, how easy it is for you to handle. Um, and I think past that, it has more to do with the age that women are encouraged to play sports at. You know, we're seeing them picking up balls younger, so they're getting more hand-eye coordination, but those skills are learned younger. So often I don't think it's the size of the ball. I just think it's the age at which you've developed those abilities. And I think that I, I would love to not see that change. I would love to see the ball stay the same size. And um, thinking about, you know, the cons of having a smaller ball would make an impact on the kicking ability as well. It would, Mm completely change that you'd have to completely relearn what you're doing and it would probably you know it'd be one of those things that maybe you'd get better but it would you definitely get a lot worse initially and that would be a real big challenge for uh, women that are at their peak or close to their peak now yeah and fans take note that's coming from somebody who has to kick the ball and and you know whether it's uh, for defense or attack so you heard it here first from gabby thanks i i really appreciate that insight because i'm always looking to you know, um, understand and learn the game better. Um, so we've been talking about your development. Uh, I mentioned that you played in four D one national championship games and one, I think four out of five when you were at Penn state, if I'm not yep, mistaken, four out of five. And, yep. Yep. And a tournament MVP or sorry, a, uh, you know, a 2017 MVP, um, run pass or kick. What made these Penn state teams so successful? Obviously four years in a row. I mean, that's got to be a record. Um, I I don't know if it is a record anymore, to be yeah. honest. I'll run with it. Sorry, Lindenwood's pretty strong. I was going to say, I think, I don't know if Lindenwood's gotten, beaten it yet, but they're mighty close, if not. So. Um, but um, I think I think for those teams, it was, we're at a very interesting area in women's rugby in, in the fact that there wasn't a lot of schools that, you know, were having teams that were successful or had, you know, high level athletes wanting to go there to perform. So I think it kind of became like a hotbed for those people that played in high school, you know, and that we're, there weren't a ton of people, but we got a lot of recruits in from all over that were willing to, you know, take out student loans, do what they needed to do to go to school there because there weren't really any other options if you wanted to grow as a rugby player um, around that generation. So I think that that was a really big aspect, which kind of makes it, you know, unique just because of where it existed in the time period. Um, But I also think, you know, Pete Steinberg uh, obviously was the national team coach at the time, but he's also um, one of his biggest strengths, I think, is that his ability to recruit and his ability to uh, team build. It's something that he does in his free time. It's something that, you know, he gives talks on. And it definitely came to play when, um, when I was there under him just for the one year, but my sister played for four years prior. So I saw kind of the way he built the team around and he was really good at um, like binding them together and making them want to get better just for themselves, but also for those people around them. So I think it was a combination of his recruitment tactics, but also that if you wanted to play high level rugby, it kind of established itself as the leader. And so people were willing to make sacrifices to go there. It was kind of a niche area. I feel like in those years. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, um, just the recruitment process, and we're seeing a lot of changes in, in D1A elite rugby and in, and in NCR. So it'll be interesting to see how the college game progresses over the next couple of years because it's certainly changed since since you were there. And, and I have to ask real quick because, um, you know, being from Chicago and, 
you know, your family has some ties to Chicago. My homie Malcolm May went to Penn State as well. I think you were there roughly the same time. Yeah, yeah, we 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 were friends. Yeah, we uh, yeah, we hung out a few times. He's he was also a Bears fan. I was a Bears fan, so it's like a natural talking point. But we went to school. I think all for the same five years. I think yeah. completely. Yeah. So so I got to ask because um, there's a story, and I'm pretty sure it's true. Um, although Malcolm is a little bit coy about it. Did you ever see him wear a romper when he was, you know, at uh, events? I'm I'm told he was a, a romper guy at, at uh, socials, if you will. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. I think I've seen him wear a lot of, <laughs> of interesting outfits. And I believe that that might have been on his body at one point in time. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to encourage the gold diggers down there in NOLA to have a romper night in honor of none other than Malcolm May. All right, let's go to the next question about Malcolm. He's not the subject. Gabby Contorn is the subject, so let's get back on track with her. You know, you spoke when uh, talking about the Women's World Cup. You talked about, you know, um, more women um, from the United States, and, and we can also talk about Canada as well going to the premiership and playing professionally. But we also, as you mentioned, know that there's a lot of college girls out of college and, and ladies that are uh, still playing, uh, applying their trade here domestically, you know, in, a, in an amateur way. So that that's kind of the, the foundation of my question. So run past your kick. Does the United States have the player base and support to have a successful women's rugby league? A successful women's rugby league. That is an interesting question. Um, I'll like, I wouldn't say I'll run with it. I'll like jog with it just because I don't, okay. feel like I'm the most educated person on the topic, but I do think Understood. it is a good question. Um, I think as far as the, you said the athlete base and the support, is that right? Mm -hmm. I yeah. think, mm -hmm. I think, I think that we would absolutely have the, um, potential like we would have the talent there to make a league interesting. And I also think um, kind of similar to the MLR, if there was something in place that offered people the ability to come over, I think we would also get internationals coming over because um, people want to live in America and they find it really interesting. And um, especially, you know, Kiwis and Aussies, they, they, they find it a place that they want to go and visit and even in the end years of their career. So I think that it is something that could, work as far as the financial support in place. I don't think that we have that. That's kind of the thing that you're seeing with the WPL. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into those players uh, traveling their fixtures. I played in the league for two years. It's a lot of financial sacrifice. Um, it's a lot of personal time sacrifice. You basically work your full-time job and then you go play at night. So I think um, even as far as that league goes, if there was more support in that, you would see the level rise rapidly because just being from someone who has worked a full-time job and played rugby full-time, so done basically the same amount of training just at night and sacrifice sleep versus somebody who now um, gets to have more of my focus being on rugby and you know less on going to a full-time job, it makes a huge difference in the ability of you know the amount of time you can spend on your recovery, which is super important as an athlete the amount of time that you can spend looking at the game and trying to understand, you know, different tactics in that way. So I think we don't have the support there to make it substantial or make it uh, something that, you know, more people could have as their full time. But I think that that's something that even in WPL they're, they're working on and it's uh, it's no fault of theirs. They're trying to find sponsorships and I would love to see the domestic game grow in the United States and become, you know, a league similar to the one here, because that's ultimately the, I think one of the ways forward for us. And it would be beautiful for people not have to 
worry about sacrificing their lives to come live in a different country away from their loved ones. But unfortunately, it's just the reality of where we are right now. And I, I don't think that, you know, financially, we have the support there, although I'm hoping that that's something that we can try to drive and, and make our way towards. Yeah, it's interesting. I had an opportunity to meet Kittery Ruiz, the president of the WPL, here this last uh, June when the event was the, the final was hosted at uh, the, my my home club, the Chicago Blaze Rugby Club. Yeah, and it was really interesting hearing her talk about what plans that they had moving forward, and and it really is geared towards trying to make a professional standard here in the United States to give all of our girls an opportunity to play at a high level professionally. And, and as you do get paid for what they do in a way that allows them to focus on rugby and honing their skills. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I just kind of, when I think about it, it's almost to, to play in this league visa wise, you have to already be a captain or national, which kind of, kind of makes it difficult to even get into that if you wanted to. So, you know, we're trying to encourage women to pick up the game back to the other question, but at some point it doesn't really seem like it's that easy to become a professional rugby player. And right. if we want people to strive to be there, it needs to be, there needs to be a way to be there. There needs to be something for them to at least go in and, and apply their trade and learn those tools. And that's, again, the, the college game is filling a gap, but once you graduate from college, you know, you have to make a few tricky decisions. And I think that if we can ease those and make it so that there is a better path and people believe they could be a professional rugby player, that's when we'll start to feel a bit more success coming out of it. Absolutely. Uh, sage advice and believe it, Gabby, you handled the question wonderfully. You said you, you weren't sure if you, you, you were the right person. I, I know you were the right person because you, you hit a lot of ticked some important boxes and hit a lot of things that I think are critical. So thank you for your insight. I appreciate that. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, and it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. So fans at home, we're gonna we're gonna kind of pivot a little bit just uh, momentarily and kind of relieve the pressure off Gabby a bit and have a little fun. We've had some serious questions, so we're gonna go right into the quick tap segment. And for those that haven't seen this, this is just a, a fun little bit trying to get some insight into the personalities that we bring on. In this case, uh, none other than USA Eagle Gabby Contorna. So um, the quick tap works like this: we just fire a choice at Gabby, and she's going to pick one or the other. Uh, but she can't pass. She's got to she got to run with all, all these. But so far, she's done a beautiful job at taking each question head on. So we're going to start with the first one, Gabby. Uh, your indulgence: pizza or ice cream? Pizza. Oh, let's see. Chicago ties, Chicago pizza. You get it. All right. Here we go. All right. What about a pet? 
Dogs or cats? Dogs. There we go. Well, do you have a dog yourself? I don't have one currently. I have. I grew up with dogs. I would love a dog. I had a cat for a little bit, and by that I mean my sister had a cat, and I took care of it. And I'm not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. I hear you. I hear you. All right, we'll get serious now. Toughest <laughs> opponent: England or New Zealand? That is a good question. Um, New Zealand. Okay. Yeah, by well, they are world champions now, so yeah, you know, I mean, that makes sense. All right. Uh, you're going on holiday. You doing the mountains or the beach? Beach. Okay. There we go. She likes a little fun in the sun. Yeah. All right. Good, good, good girl. I like it already. All right. Movie night. Rom-com or action? Action. What, what's your favorite? Give me your favorite. My favorite action movie? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. That's too hard. That can't be required. That the favorite movie topics or genres need like hours. We don't have time. Okay. All right. Maybe some other time. We'll just do yeah. a whole segment just on, on Gabby's movies. favorite movies. Yeah, I can prepare a presentation. It'll be quite good. <laughs> Perfect. I'm in. All right. Um, last one on the, the quick tap. Date night, downtown swank or local mom and pop? Oh, probably downtown swank. Oh, you like to get get dressed up and and all of the nines and and show yourself off. Face, yeah. Nice, I like it. Yeah, because you can wear kit to any of those other places, which is kind of what ends up happening anyway. So (laughs) it's funny. Your teammate, not only at USA Rugby, uh, but also at Exeter, uh, Kate Zachary fired these at her, and you guys were on the same page on a lot of these, except for the last one. The last one, she's a. She's she's chill and laid back. You like to get glitzed and glammed, and, and that's okay. Well, I wouldn't say she's chill and laid back, but yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's get back into the quick tap, folks. Or sorry, excuse me. Get back to the run pass or kick. We had fun with the quick tap. Um, and, and again, we'll get to a little bit more rugby-based questions now. Um, as I mentioned before, you were 14 when you were introduced to the game, introduced by your father, who clearly he played um, himself. Um, did that 14-year-old girl ever imagine that she would win four collegiate national championships, win an MV, collegiate MVP, play as a premier 15s finalist and a cup champion, and play in a World Cup? Um, we'll run with that. Uh, yes, but I thought it would be in soccer, actually. Uh, at, oh, okay. the, at the first age where I picked it up, I'm – Rugby for me was like a slow burn, you know, which is how you know it's real, I think. But um, initially I didn't like to tackle and I didn't like to be tackled. So I had to adjust to that once I kind of got over that little bugaboo. Um, I Then it started to become, you know, what I knew I wanted to do. And obviously I went to school for it. Now I play professionally. So kind of my life now. But I would say um, from the get-go, it wasn't one of those things that I just fell in love with. It's one of those things that I've had to kind of stick to, um, I knew I liked something about the game. I just wasn't sure about all of it. You know, I had to suss it out a little bit. So, um, I think from a young age, I've, I'd always wanted to be a professional athlete. I always, um, I've been always been very competitive. I love sports. I always have loved sports. I like to watch them, anything, everything really. But, um, I think at the first age that I picked it up now, I definitely wouldn't have thought it would be all in rugby, but, um, by the time I, you know, decided to go to school for it, that was then the the hope. I didn't think, um, to be honest, I didn't think that there would be the option for me to play professionally. I didn't think that 
um, I didn't really see it as being something that would be like sustainable or be um, something that could provide enough that I would be able to focus on it full time. So I wasn't really sure if that part of the, you know, overall dream as a kid would pan out, but um, fortunately uh, it, it did. So um, no, no regrets on any of it, but kind of, I would say the way it wasn't always the hope and dream. The hope was always to go, go to a world cup, play to the best level I could be as a, as a competitor, but it kind of transformed, I would say, as it went. Nice. It, well, you had to read the situation just like you do on the pitch, right? You, exactly. you got to play what's in front of you. Yeah. So um, we're going to move along. This one's going to get, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put one to you here. Let's see how you handle this. Fly half has to perform under pressure and let's see how Gabby performs in this one. Uh, run pass or kick. How would you grade the Eagles, your Eagles performance in the rugby world cup 2022 down in New Zealand? All right. I'm going to kick that. <laughs> All right. So I, let me, let me provide context to fans. Cause I, I never asked this question like this without kind of thinking about, well, what happens if it's kicked back to me? Yeah. So, I, yeah. So I would say this, I think that you have to say, like, let's just generally say that um, a C is meeting expectations, right? I mean, I'm a teacher. So a C, you met expectations. So, you know, being an A, you're exceeding expectations at some level. And, and I think that we, we met expectations. um, And I would, so I would guess I would say a C plus, I think we performed well uh, against Canada, who we knew were going to be a tough opponent. We had played Canada, um, you know, recently and, and, and we've had some uh, challenging results. I think uh, they've, they beat us like seven or eight on the hoof. So we knew that that was going to be a difficult challenge. And, and quite frankly, Italy, um, some people were shocked that we lost Italy, but, but Italy was ranked ahead of us and they'd had some really good results. So I wasn't all that surprised by the Italy performance. Um, We knew we were in for a tough one there. And of course, Japan, we put in a good result. You know, you're going to play, and then you go back to Canada. And again, you know, they, I think they were clicking on all cylinders. So, you know, I, I, to be a, a fair assessment, a C plus, um, I think uh, a B would be for us to, to be in that semifinal. Of course, you know, an A is always, you know, to get in that final and be competitive. So I, that's my assessment. Um, I hope that, um, that Gabby doesn't turn off her screen and leave right now. <laughs> no. Um, if you were answering that as me, I would say that you were like um, maybe a touch nicer than I would have been, which is, which is probably fair because I think that we're always our biggest critic, if that would make sense. So I would probably stick. I agree with the logic of the ABC realm. I'd probably go with more of like a C minus um, more of just because of the way that I felt we could have, I don't think that it's to the other, uh, the outside's expectations, but it's just more of like to what I thought that we could achieve. And I thought that, you know, we have every ability to win some of those games and compete and really, you know, prove everybody wrong. And I think we learned a lot and we had a really young world cup squad. So I, I think that credit to us, we, we played really well and we meshed and we did some beautiful things and we showed that we can do beautiful things. It's just, you know, me being a fly half and being, you know, the person that looks at the attack and delves in it. I just always like want just more of that. And so I think it would be, you know, a C minus because in my head, every single team there has a right to be there could beat us at any moment, but that's the same goes for us. And I, you know, want us to reroute our expectations to really push to um, beat those teams and, and be, you know, in the top four in the world, because I think that we can. Yeah. It's, and I, 
I know I gave an assessment already, but I, I thought the adjustment of bringing Alev into the centers provided a nice, a nice impact in those, you know, pool matches and on the, uh, the, yeah, the knockout match with Canada. Um, although I think, um, and, and shame on me, the Lindenwood gal, uh, whose name escapes me right off the top, the place at 13, um, you know, both their similar styles are bruisers. They run and take everything head on and perhaps a little bit more of a dyna, dynamism in that center combination with the punch of either one of those, um, either one of those centers would have been, um, a, I think, uh, added a little dynamic play um, to our midfield and perhaps um, created, you know, would have created more breaks, if you will. Yeah. But, um, you know, those are the things you learn, especially with, I know that 13 was pretty young, just came out of Lindenwood. So, you know, we'll learn those things and we'll get better. And I know that the you ladies are chomping at the bit to, to play some yeah. internationals when they're ready. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, for, for us, and at least for me, the way I'm kind of seeing it is, I think the first, you know, that first Italy game, um, I think that we were all, most of us had been, it was our first World Cup. So I think for all of the young kids, you know, you're a bit, you're a bit shell-shocked, you're a bit starstruck. It's hard not to be prepared, not to be, but I would say, you know, we're a bit, we were a bit taken aback. And I think, you know, that's, that just more of goes to us and our, and our, I guess naive would be the word because we're so inexperienced, but I do think, you know, getting those test matches in, I think it just kind of showed to us that we're so close to being where we want to be. And I think that's really made us all super eager and hungry and um, honestly already looking forward to trying to push for the next World Cup, which is the best thing that you could hope for after one that doesn't necessarily go the way you, you would have dreamed. So, um, you know, again, not to not didn't meet my expectations, but I am. Um, there's nothing you can do about it. And obviously, and I loved every single person that I played with and I learned so much from every single one of them. Um, and I think that uh, they taught me a lot and I hope that I taught them at least one or two things. So um, overall, you know, it was a great experience. And I think expectations are always interesting because if you don't yeah. get them perfectly right, you always are a little disappointed, but it's, it's just because it's not the way you expect it doesn't mean it wasn't, you know, brilliant. Yeah. Great kind of a foray into my next question, because you talk about expectations, you kind of are looking forward to the future, talking about the youth in your team. And for many, it was a first world cup. So, uh, you know, here we had, we got knocked out in the quarters. So the next step has got to be getting into that semi, right? So my question is this run pass or kick. What do we need to do either as a U.S. Eagles squad or as a community rugby community in order for our women, what do we need to do better in order for our women to take that next step in 2027? Hmm. I, I mean, I'll run with that. I think it's just, you know, I think the support goes a long way and that's even just with tuning in and watching the matches. I mean, uh, the biggest thing for us in, in the next cycle, we'll be getting internationals in obviously COVID throws a wrench in that. It makes it hard for us to even get our camps done, but the hope will be that we have the ability to play more test matches and get those under our belts so that we don't have players that are inexperienced um, in, a, in a World Cup and that we feel confident moving into it. And then, you know, past that, get your friends to watch women's sports, you know, make sure that people are watching and supporting us so that, you know, people see it as an investment and that can actually help us grow and have more opportunity in that way. So I think, you know, it's a little bit on, um, you know, just watching and supporting in that way, but it's a, a whole lot of, uh, onus, I think, on the schedule of the of the cycle and hoping that we get the test matches in that we need to prepare. You talk about support, and and I see support in a lot of different ways, but two ways in particular 
are going to float, you know, right into my next two questions. So, so it's like, there's some kind of symbiotic thing happening between us, Gabby. I can't, can't help but to say that. Uh, so the next question I have, and I think this is important for fans of the game or maybe new fans to the women's game who watched the World Cup and went, what a great game. What a beautiful thing to watch these women eagles and women in the world play. But the, the 15 Foundation, mm-hmm. this was set up to provide funding to the women's national team. So run past her kick. Is the team underfunded compared to other women's national teams? And you may not necessarily know dollars and cents, but you had to look across the pitch and you saw and you know and you speak with other uh, ladies who play for England, who play in the premiership, play for other teams. So, you know, is are we woeful? Are we underfunded? And is that something that needs to change? Um, Yeah, I can. I can. Again, I'll give it a jog with it. Um, I think. I can't, again, I don't know for a lot of teams, it's kind of just like what you see. I think there's a lot of countries that are in a similar boat with us as far as, you know, the support goes. So you eat for various test matches, you get support from world rugby through. So that's like the world cup experience was pretty similar. I would say for most of the teams, but I think, you know, outside of that, obviously uh, England probably has the best setup as far as financial support goes and um, the uh, compensation and also like, things that their athletes get, I would say on their side is probably the best. Um, I would say that we're, I mean, being one of the countries that doesn't have, you know, professional contracts involved in some capacity, I would say that would probably mean that we fall on the side of being undersupported at least a little um, in various ways. So that's something that I would think needs to be looking to change, or at least some part of that needs to be changed. The XV foundation does great work. Um, it allows, you know, us to have like people donate. So like even my family members, if they want to donate specifically, not just to me, but to the team helps them feel like they're really supporting us and it feels really directly to us. Um, but not only that, they do do a lot for advocating for us. So there's things that are already, you know, people are pushing for change in those ways, but I do think that full-time contracts would, um, make at least a difference for if, even those, if those were only available to players that were living in the U S would make a huge difference for those players that were, um, living and playing in the WPL. And I mean, not even thinking that it's going to be an absurd amount of money, but at least a livable amount of money, um, would be, you know, or any money, I guess that would kind of alleviate the, the type of jobs that they were working in, maybe also allow it for them to actually partake, partake in WPL and not panic over, um, the costs of flights and the costs of all of those different game things. So I think, um, I think we are under, under supported in that way. And I do think that it's something that if uh, the rest of the world continues to push and, and change in that, in that direction, that we'd be uh, silly to not look and try to find a model that works for us. Yeah. So folks, if you're watching and paying attention, you want to see the women be able to, you know, continue to develop and grow. Uh, the XV foundation is a great way that you can directly give to the team or an individual to help them become better prepared uh, in the next cycle. Um, and we know that in 2033 is an important benchmark for the United States women in particular, because we will be hosting that event. So, which leads me to the next question. You talked about putting eyes on and watching on TV. And again, in 2033, our fans here in the United States will have an opportunity to flood the gates uh, and, and watch in person uh, our women compete against um the best in the world on a world stage. And, and that's the nature of my last question here. Um, we know that there is um, record numbers 
attending the events uh, at the World Cup in New Zealand. Uh, of course, a rugby mad country, no doubt. But um, there were also some wonderful stories that were highlighted throughout that campaign. And just some of those that came from Rugby World Cup 2022, Ruby Tui giving her uh, medal to a young leukemia survivor. I can't help but getting choked up when I when I watch and see that every time. Um, you know, uh, uh, that yellow card that seems to have made a difference in the final, certainly made it a nail biter. Um, the, again, the attendance records uh, and uh, who can forget that there was an absolute 42,000 person sellout at the final. And again, record numbers at the pool and knockout stages. So my question is run pass or kick in a generation's time. What story will be talk? Will we be talking about from this tournament? Oh, run. I'll, I'll run with that. Um, Ooh, the story from a home tournament. I mean, honestly, I think I think the biggest thing that the this last World Cup in New Zealand has shown was that when there when you market the game or when you put it on TV or when you film and take the time to learn the stories of the athletes that play the game, you drive interest home. Ruby Tui is a great example of that. And there have been um there's examples of of people giving away kit that they had to buy for themselves all across the game it happens all the time on the women's side you know there's a lot of very interesting stories because people find rugby in on the women's side differently than they find it on the men's side people start later um it's it's something that i think every single person in that tournament probably has some sort of a very intriguing story behind them and it's something that we need to look at so i think the biggest one i and i hope one of the biggest ones will be somebody from one of these countries from this watching this world cup you know saw the game being played maybe it's 8 9 10 younger age and decided to pick up the game and then makes it to that world cup and and gets to live out their dream because they've actually seen it being played and i think it'll be i do think that will be something that happens and not just for hopefully for our nation it being a home world cup for the first time but also for all the other nations as well, because I mean, how, how cool is it to see people's personalities come out, you know, even in things like this, but on the big stage like that, you saw so many personalities from Beatrice Ragoni on Italy, eating gummies from her socks in the middle the social media team did a great job putting those personally personalities out and really driving the engagement that way from, for people from all the countries. So I think the best story and the story that I want to see is a story of some young girl who was watching the world cup for the first time happened to flick through tv maybe maybe saw a post about it somewhere and then decided to watch rugby and then decided to play rugby and ultimately makes it to that world cup because that's the only way that the game gets better and that's ultimately you know why all of us are pushing for things to get better now is so that that generation can be professionalized and really um really bring the sport to the era that it should be in the women's game and to the level of legit legitimacy that the players are already providing now and the, and really professionalize it and put the, the exclamation point, I would say on it. Uh, I love that answer. And I love it so much. I'm going to follow up even again, this is off script. That was, that was supposed to be my last question, but um, this, this, this will be my last question. I promise. But I posed it to, I believe I posted to Kate when we had her on the show, but I posed it to other women who have played the game. So I'm going to, I'm going to have me in the corner here, Gabby. Let's just say that you, you're playing an international, you come off the pitch, you've had a wonderful day on the pitch, you know, win, lose or draw, it was a good day for you. You have a smile on your face. You walk over uh, to the fans and there's a 14 year old girl, just like you were, 
who says, Gabby, what's one thing I can do to help reach my goal of being a World Cup uh, you know, eagle? That's a good question. Um, I mean, uh, whew, I would say... You know, you can always you can always uh, pass or kick this one. I mean, we're still in the run pass or kick interview. Oh, we're still in the run pass or kick. <laughs> then let me kick that. Okay. Let me kick that. Keep in mind who I who I was. So if you're talking to a young me, stubborn. Have fun. Have, have fun. fun. Okay. That's what sports about. Yeah. I think sometimes we forget. You know, we get so engrossed in 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 our fanaticism for. A, uh, you know, a particular team or for supporting our national team. Uh, and, and my mate, my good, uh, throwing a shout out to my buddy, Fred Richard Dyfed, who's, who's a Welshman who was crying in his, in his soup uh, yesterday. Um, <laughs> you know, have fun, right? Yeah. It, it, at the end of the day, it's a it, sport is supposed to be fun. And we got to pull away sometimes and take that zoomed out approach that did you have fun? Yeah. Eh, then that that's what matters, whether it's on the pitch or watching as a fan, did you enjoy the day? I'm going to slightly tweak it. I hate the word fun. I'm going to say, enjoy it. That's There it. you go. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Uh, no, I agree with that. That's true. And I think even, you know, sport is, it feels like a end all and be all, but at the end of the day, everybody goes out there and tries to do their best and tries to win the game. And um, obviously not everybody can win. Otherwise sport wouldn't be interesting and not every, right. not everyone that you think is going to win will win. And that is also why it's interesting. So um, just, <laughs> enjoy it. And then for all the fans out there, a little compassion for people because nobody goes out trying to lose a game. I know some of the, you know, girls from the world cup, not, not on our team, but you know, there's been some things about the final and the semifinals and, you know, people's performances. Nobody tries to go out there and lose a game. Everybody's here for the love of the sport. So enjoy it and be kind. I love those words. So prophetic from Gabby. I am now changing uh, I'm changing my my verbiage to enjoy the game or enjoy what you do. Uh, as a wrestling coach, it's one of the things we talk about our to our high school athletes about. You know, have fun. But I I like enjoy it better because it doesn't mean you can't be competitive. It means you are competitive and you're going to enjoy the competition. Exactly, and it doesn't mean it's not going to be hard because it is going to be hard. That's right. But sometimes That's right. you enjoy it. That's right. Gabby, it has been an absolute pr- pleasure to share 45 minutes at, uh, uh, with you talking rugby, talking life and learning some lessons. And again, it, I, I enjoy it because now I get to share my experience, my um, time with you, with all the fans. I hope you guys who are watching the rugby rant have enjoyed uh, this segment with Gabby Contorna, got some interesting insight. And if nothing else, I hope that you guys pick up, um, you know, that MSN or the NBC uh, package Peacock or wherever you're going to be able to find our women playing overseas in the premier 15s, watch Exeter, watch Gabby and, and her teammates. We have a lot of wonderful women. Of course, Captain Kate also plays for Exeter. I love watch as a number eight and, and Lucy, I always love watching her, but pick up and watch the ladies because they play a wonderfully beautiful game as we've seen. And Gabby, I want to thank you so much uh, for your time. Is there anybody you'd like to throw a shout out to here just at the end of the interview? Oh, great, great. Um, I would love to give a shout out to my dad. We mentioned him a few times, Big Bernie. Um, Shout out to my mom because she's the reason that anybody is sane in the family. And then lastly, shout out to my sister. She's the reason that I decided to pick up a ball because she played and 
as a younger sibling, you got to do everything your sister does. So <laughs> shout out to those three. Love them. Well, thank you so much. And I'm sure they just had an absolute proud uh, pleasure and uh, proud moments as they watch you compete um, in, in New Zealand this fall. So once again, Gabby, thank you so much for joining us and taking your time. And we wish you nothing but success and, and enjoyment of your game as you continue uh, with the Exeter Chiefs in, in their 2022-2023 campaign. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It was uh, it was great to get my brain moving, um, great to have to think. So I really had a good time. It was great. Thanks. And everybody watching Rugby Rant, you, of course, can check us out on Facebook. You can see us on the Rugby Network, and you can get your podcast if you're traveling to work or you're just on the train on your commute. Check us out. We're on all major platforms, Apple, um, you know, Apple, uh, Google, um, Spotify, et cetera. Check us out. And uh, again, you know, familiar yourself with Gabby and some of the next guests we got coming up. Of course, Jeremy Treese is coming up from NCR. We'll talk college rugby as we did here today with Gabby. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. And we'll see you at the next. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.